by you I'll be your everything Your blue sky So my name is Sydney Eugene Savoy II. I live in uh, Youngsville, Louisiana, and I am a proud stepdad. I've been married for almost six months now. Sunday's our six-month anniversary to my beautiful wife, Claire. We have two boys, uh, Liam and Bruce, and um, I am just on this journey of being a stepdad, and it was a blessing to discover your podcast. Uh, my wife suggested when I was exhibiting some frustrations early on, right after we got married about, you know, how can I do better? What can I do? I, you know, I just, I know that, that I need to do something. I'm not sure what she says, find some books, find some podcasts. And either she Googled your podcast or I somehow came across it when she told me to, to look for resources. Yeah. And um, it, it's been indispensable for me. Um, my day job is at a hot sauce factory. Um, about 20 minutes away from where I live. So that's a fun job. Um, I work for a great family. I'm very close to my boss. Uh, interesting, quick story. I donated one of my kidneys to his first cousin, uh, hashtag job security, you know? So that's, that's been, that's been something that's been good for me. You know, uh, I am, I spent some time in the seminary. I spent about three years living in third world countries as a uh, Catholic foreign missionary. Um, I've just, I've, I've, in life, I've been a jack of all trades. I've been blessed to do a whole lot of really cool things. The latest of which is being a stepdad. And so that's why I'm here. You know, every stage that I've been at, every phase that I've gone through, I've been incredibly blessed by sh having people to share that journey with people that know what I'm going through because everybody can offer their sympathies but not everybody can actually empathize. And when I found this podcast and heard your story and the story of all the other people you interview and that you take questions from, um, it's it's like I felt, man, I'm, I'm home. I have this community of people that knows exactly what I'm going through. Right. And so that's kind of, that's what got me here today, really. So that is, first of all, that's awesome that you donated your kidney. I mean, right then and there, your selflessness. I mean, that's it. That's a... Uh, that's a quality not a lot of people have, man. So, you know, I found it interesting Sid, that, you know, when we were discussing or discussing, but talking via text message on TikTok, um, where you didn't feel like you had anything to really offer yet because you haven't been, you know, you haven't been in the in the in the trenches long enough, you know. And right. I and I had to and I had to kind of wake you up to the fact that that's untrue. What's I mean, you're gonna your story where you currently sit in your story your uh your trials and tribulations your ups and your downs are going to be more relatable than say somebody like myself who's 12 years 13 years in mm -hmm. you know so never feel like your voice is not valuable when it comes to what you do whether it's good bad right or wrong whether you're making huge mistakes or you've got a lot of wins um your voice is valuable because you never know i, I like to use this thing that gary v talks about he talks about uh one is greater than zero Mm -hmm. What that means is, is you know, it's, if you can affect or help one person, it's better than zero. So um, I want to encourage you to continue to talk not only about your story, but talk about your, your struggles, talk about your frustrations, talk about what works and what doesn't work for you. Because, you know, you're very much in the discovery phase right now. You're trying to discover. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
yeah, you're you want you need to know which direction to to, to head, how to handle things, how to act, how to react. Um, are you doing the right things? Are you being too like you is it like are, do you feel like you're being mean or you're being too aggressive or are you not being aggressive enough? Like you gotta be a leader and a man, but you also have to be empathetic and sympathetic. Like there's so many different balls that you have to balance uh, that you know you throw up in the air and you don't want any of them to drop. So one of the pieces of advice that I'm going to give you, Sid, is if a ball drops, a ball drops. Pick it back mm -hmm. up. Pick it back up. I mean, that's just the best advice I can give anybody. If a ball drops, you're not a perfectionist. Stop trying to be. Pick a ball. Cool? Um, Absolutely. So you're six months in. You're six six months married. How long have you known or have you like been dating or were in her life before you guys decided to tie the knot? So... Um... I'm 42, she's 34, and uh, at our age, your time frame is different than when you're in your 20s, when you typically need more time. We met on Facebook dating last year in January, about middle of the month, towards the end of the month. Um, I think I messaged her on a Wednesday because I saw her profile and it was like, this isn't a catfish. This isn't somebody that's taken, you know, glamour shots from certain angles with all these field like it was a real picture of a real person. Her smile was radiant. Her hair is curly and beautiful. I just like, I was really taken aback. Saw her picture and literally my first message to her was, please be real, exclamation point, repeated about 10 times. And then I clicked send. And I thought, you know, oh man, she was impressed by me because she responded almost right away. Maybe like the, that night or the next day and said, yeah, yeah, you know, haha, I'm real. Um, and then I figured, you know what, I'm four at the January last year, I was still 41 uh, or 40 anyways, said, you know, I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So my next message wasn't, would you like to exchange phone numbers so we can text back and forth ad nauseum until I finally get off the porch and go run with it. It's <laughs> like, hey, do you want to meet up for drinks Friday? And when we talked about that first exchange and our first meeting afterwards, she said, that's what got me. You were not afraid to just go for it. Nice. You know, just go for gold, you know? So we first messaged on a Wednesday. She wrote back on a Thursday. Our first date was on a Friday, uh, January 22nd or 21st of last year. Um, we officially got engaged on our one-year anniversary of our first date, but we started planning the wedding Almost several months before. Yeah. We, we just knew, you know? Yeah, no, so I January of last year, and we got married April 22nd of this year. And uh, yeah, Sunday's our six month anniversary. So, the kids, when did you find out? Like, did, was it in the big dating profile? What did you find out at dinner? You know, how it, um, I, I want to say uh, uh, that it was, if it wasn't in her profile, then we thoroughly discussed it on the first date. You know, um, the bio dad uh, is not the most pleasant person in the world we'll, just, we'll be charitable and we'll put it like that so she of course had a lot of hesitations with you know surrounding relationships and who she let the kids be exposed to um so from the start she was like hey i have two kids and you're probably not going to meet them right away you know she was all about let's kind of see where we stand at first let's kind of start getting a little bit you know, to know each other and get settled. 
she needed to get to know me and then her support group, which mainly consists of her parents who were with her during all of the turmoil of her previous marriage and her being able to exit that, as well as two of her really close uh, girlfriends who are sisters and they've just been in each other's lives for a while. Yeah. Um, she had to get to know me, they had to get to know me. And then kind of what we slowly did is um, my first ever time that I met her older son, uh, who's now seven, uh, I was at work at the hot sauce factory. She had to go to the DMV in that little town. And on her way back, she stopped for lunch at McDonald's. I said, hey, I can uh, come meet y'all for lunch. And we kind of planned it because we knew the older one would be with her that particular day. So we just hung out and had lunch. And as far as he knew, uh, it was just, hey, this is mommy's friend, you know, Mr. Sydney. And we just, just very low key, easy going lunch. Um, I want to say it was possibly a few weeks later. Um, she had a big gathering at one of her girlfriend's house. Maybe the kids had a birthday party or something like that. And she said, how about you come? We'll go in our separate cars because I got to bring the boys. And when we're there, we'll interact, but we'll interact as friends. We won't, won't be hanging all over each other or mugging down or anything. And you can kind of, you know, the boys will see you. Oh, hey, who's that? Oh, that's that's mommy's friend, Mr. Sydney. Like a real kind of like dipping your toes in the pool a little bit. A way to expose them. They can see my face, hear my name. And it wasn't like this huge expectation of, hey, this is mommy's special friend. You know, what do you think? And then from there, it was some more, more of that. And then we kind of gradually transitioned to smaller groups, like say... Um, her parents might have had us over, like had all of us over, including the kids for dinner on a Saturday night. And of course, we would I would show up in my own car separately. And oh, hey, you know, guys, you remember Mr. Sydney from uh, Taunty Leah's party? And Oh, yeah, that's that's mommy's friend. We would just hang out as a group. And then slowly that would whittle down to maybe just me and her and the boys. Yeah. And then over time, it just it was never this overt. Hey. This is mommy's boyfriend. Therefore, I have this expectation of, of you two boys to treat him in a certain way or what it it was just this natural flow progression from big group to smaller group to just the four of us. And let me tell you, I, I know, you know, from experience, how intuitive kids are that you don't really have to spell things out for them. They sort of comprehend in their own way. Mm -hmm. And eventually they just when I wasn't around, they would start to ask questions on their own about Oh, hey, Mr. Sydney, you know, we notice he's here or, you know, what is he, you know, they were curious about what was different about me compared to all her other friends. Right. And then eventually, you know, I don't remember exactly when, um, but, and I don't remember the verbiage either, but we did eventually get to talking about, yeah, you know, Mr. Sydney's different than my other friends. You know, we spend a lot of time together. Um, I don't remember how early on we use the verbiage boyfriend, girlfriend with them. It was at some point within that first year. Uh, and then, gosh, probably around October of last year. So this would have been after about eight or nine months of dating. Um, we just kind of started letting on to them that this is this is headed somewheres, you know. Um, we did would kind of- did, like, did you get any negative feedback from that? 
No, no, we, we, you know, it was really more curiosity than anything from the boys. We never got any negative feedback. Um, and, you know, what my wife, she had been uh, sending both of the boys, specifically the older one, to a child play therapist ever since she had left her, you know, ex-husband and came back because it was just such a tumultuous thing. And, and it was a benefit to our sons to do that. And, you know, some of the advice she got from the therapist was, um, you know, kind of instead of forcing anything upon them, ask them questions, you know, like, for example, uh, hey, what would you guys think about, you know, me and Sydney getting married or, you know, you know, I know y'all see that Sydney has to go home every night after he visits because he has work the next day. He lives in his own house. Um, wouldn't it be cool if he like lived with us, you know, kind of in a, a, a very simple childlike way. And like, oh yeah, that would be great. You know, we could tell by the ways that we would ask the questions and the ways that they responded, that they were, um, they were open to it. They were now, now I don't want to say they were apprehensive. They were, they were curious in all the ways that a kid should be in a situation like that, but never apprehensive. Um, the the only apprehension or um, I don't even know what word to use, but there were starting in the first few months of the relationship, I could tell that once bio dad knew about me because he, he is a textbook uh, narcissist bully and bully and narcissist, and he messages. He I mean, you know, he I know he messaged and still messages to them. Um, probably doesn't speak very highly of me. Random comment, for example, I have several tattoos. Um, and the youngest one out of nowhere one day said, ooh, tattoos are trashy. He would not have made that up on his own. A, a four-year-old doesn't just say tattoos are trashy because it, it they pulled it out of thin air. Right, no, they definitely, now they definitely, definitely, heard, it. They definitely heard it up plenty of times, yeah. Right, and... And, you know, from my wife's good example, because she's been a, a huge resource for me. And like, here's how the boys respond well to things. Here's ways you can talk to them. This might help. I just said, well, you know, um, my tattoos are very meaningful. You know, all of mine happen to be religious. You know, if somebody's not religious, that's fine. But they just I explained that they have meaning to me. It was very important. It's about my faith, et cetera, et cetera. And just kind of left it at that. I didn't meet it head on with who told you that? That was terrible. You you shouldn't say that. That was rude. I just, in a way that I could approach it on his level, I approached it, and then it and then we just left it at that, and he was fine, and then we just went on playing and hanging out and kind of doing our thing. So, um, of their own accord, they don't have any apprehension from the messaging they get. That's if they do have any apprehension, that's where it usually comes from. So you're saying messaging is, are you trying to say, bye, babe, see you later. Um, are you saying that they don't see BioDad at all? No, 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 they they do see him. Um, I, It's hard for me to give him credit for anything because he's, again, not the nicest person in the world, but to his credit, um, he does live not far from where we live. He's not originally from here, but basically followed my wife back once she left him. Um, he has them every other weekend. 
and uh, every other Monday night. And then in the summer, the, the way the summer schedule works, he has them for four out of the 10 weeks. So he'll have them for like a full week and then yeah. we'll have them and then he'll have them. And so it's slightly less than every other week, but um, that's, you know, kind of how the summer works. And then during the year holidays, there's a certain rotation that they do. Um, so he is in their life, you know, as far as they know, at the ages of five and seven, you know, he can do no wrong. And you know what? I'm a firm believer in God loves everybody. He loves my wife's ex just as much as he loves me. And there's hope for anyone, right? right. For them at that age, he can do no wrong. Yeah. And, um, but, but I know from my exposure to him, both through messaging that comes from the boys and direct exposure, not involving the boys. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's, he's not real cooperative. <laughs> I'm really struggling hard to not use more colorful words and adjectives because I really want to, you know, I want to do like you say so much on your podcast of just don't let it bother you. You know, I can't control what he says. I can't control what he does. And there's a certain power that comes from just letting that shit roll off your shoulders, man, and just being at peace. And sometimes the best thing you can do to really upset the apple cart with a bully like that is just don't let them rattle you. Just chill and show them that you are the steady one. And then then there's nothing they can do. Really you, have also, for two, you have to also remember that, that you know, your wife and him went through some trauma, right? To the point where it got them to a position where they decided to, to break up, you know, and again, we don't need to dive into like all the, the ins and outs of what happened, but he mm -hmm. went through the same trauma as she went through. Mind you, there is no fault or you don't want to try to point fingers because at the end of the day, the relationship just didn't work. I mean, that's just the bottom line mm -hmm. and how he handled it and how he handles it to this day is it's just a reflection on who he is and how he was raised and how, you know, he was taught to handle certain situations. A lot of it has to do with mm -hmm. me. A lot of it has to do with, um, no, no, no. Like I get upset sometimes when, when another coach tries to tell my son what to do on the court, like in basketball, like, I mean, mind mm -hmm. you, it, I shouldn't because it's stupid. It's just another guy giving my, my son some advice, but it, right. you know, sometimes I'll be like, well, that's my job. But, you know, that's how a biodactic feels. So what you always want to do, Sid, is you want to take yourself, you want to divorce yourself from whatever happened with them. And you want to get to a position in a place where you have to empathize with everything he does, good, bad, right, and wrong. Whether it's, you know, where he's an aggressive, angry man, or he's, timid and shy but is really evil behind closed doors i mean there's a lot of different variables to that but at the, but at the end of the day you're you're raising two young men and the way they see you handle things or how you talk out loud or how you refer to their dad however you say it um has to be in a way where you feel like where it sounds like they're always under control right so for instance when you when you're talking about him you say things you're saying things to me like i'm trying to be i'm trying to use colorful words you know, he's not the nicest guy. Just refer to him as dad. That's, what's his name? Okay. His name, well, I'll tell you what, out of respect for my wife and her request, she yeah, referred to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Don't worry about it. But um, you, what I mean is in the house, be in control. Meaning, yeah. meaning like, um, you know, that's that. Like that's you and it's it's when you could start when you could start handling the whole like you're in control of every given situation, whether it's a crazy blow up or nothing at all, whether it's things mm -hmm. behind closed doors that you know is about you. And then you actually, you know, you hear it from the kids because kids have no filter. The way you handle that and how you just let it roll off your back, like you said, it's such a powerful thing. It, it is a powerful thing, but not just about how you handle the bully. It's a powerful thing for your wife to see. It's a powerful thing for your boys to see, you know, um, because you're teaching them how to respond, not to react. And how you're responding to certain, you know, the, this, this certain situations you're in and how he moved, you damn near followed her to Louisiana. And you have to kind of, you have to see him and deal with the fact that you, you lose the voice for weeks on end sometimes. I know it sucks too, because I, I wouldn't, that's one thing that I didn't have to go through on my journey is I never lost the kids on any point in that. I just wasn't able to stay in the home until we were married. So I wasn't, I never mm -hmm. been here long enough, mainly because I have four, four young women in my, you know, I raised. And the last thing I ever want them to see is a man staying at a house that is not with, you know, that right. right? And that's my faith in how I was raised. But the way you're you're talking about him and the way you're talking about the situation, Sid, gotta be honest with you, man, it sounds like you are in much more control than the average stepdad that has to deal with the negative bio debt. Why is that? Yeah. Well, again, I think because my wife was realistic with me from the start about who he was, how he was, um, both how he was by choice and how he was because he's honestly mentally ill. Um, I wasn't caught by surprise. Yeah. It helped me to just sort of have a more realistic mindset of, okay, well, it's pretty much a given that he's going to be a certain way or behave a certain way. So I have to be the bigger person and choose not to be affected by it as much as possible. Nobody's perfect. Sometimes I, I get a little bit stressed by it, but for the most part, you know, she did a real good job of preparing me for, for interacting with him for who he is. And what's funny is that it's never that I didn't believe her about who he was, but I just hadn't had a lot of exposure. And the more exposure I've had, I'm like, my wife is the most honest person in the world because that's exactly who he is, yeah. you know? And then it's the same thing about her, you know, kind of slowly integrating me with the boys, uh, which we too, we didn't move in until we got married. That's just kind of how we felt um, with having kids in the pictures that we wanted to to handle it. Um, and really, I have to give so much, most of the credit to her as to why this early into it, only six months of marriage, only a year and a half worth of being together, that I'm in, you know, a, and that I have so much control over the situation, not like being overbearing, but control as in just navigating it well. Um, exactly. So much of it is because of her, you know, and um, she she really has set the example for me. She's She's been incredibly patient along the way. Um, anytime that we've had um, a little, you know, maybe a problem with one of the boys or something happened and and... I mean, this 
patient, patient. I, I just, I can't say that word enough about her. She's just been absolutely amazing. I could give several examples, but she, it's, it's all because of her. It's all because of her, uh, you know, I'm not sure how else to say it. I, I, I'm going to 100% agree with the fact that the way you handled it, how she integrated you into the, into the family in in a very uh, softball, slow pitch type scenario was a smart move. I mm -hmm. mean, because it really did help break the ice and help ease, ease you into a situation where it could easily got out of hand because there's a lot of, you know, a, a lot of moms who have been jaded, hurt, scorned, they'll never want if they, they'll they'll they, they want companionship but they want companionship at a distance you know it's like mm -hmm. and they don't want to really let them into their world or their family because you know they, they're afraid of, of that person not being around or maybe leaving or whatever it may be right that's why a lot of moms are so hesitant to, to let another man parent their kids You'll notice that I don't use the phrase discipline. I'm always going to use parent because discipline is not like how I, you and I were raised. I, I like I've never, mm -hmm. I've never told them to go get a wooden spoon. You know that's how I was raised. It's <laughs> the right way. Um, but at the same point, being able to parent 50-50 down the middle with communication and and as long as you're doing that and you're already doing that in six months of marriage, a year and a half of being together. You know, we're already on a track, which is why, again, when I was just listening and reading your messages and just thinking about your story, which is why I was right off the bat, I was like, well, what he has to offer is a lot more relevant than a lot of people who go through this situation, go through this scenario, right? Because a lot of men won't, won't talk about it. They just won't. They don't, they don't want to seem vulnerable. They don't want to seem like they don't have things under control. And a real man can express his vulnerabilities, to, especially to his partner, you know, because they want to make sure that they attack whatever given scenario that is as a team. It has to be a team. It cannot be anything other than a team. So with the boys, do they call you Sid? They call you Mr. Sidney? What do they call you? Yeah, so right now they call me Sidney. Um, and, you know, I'll admit um, – would I would I like it if they called me dad? I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Yeah. But I'm not, you know. One, and and to plug your podcast a little more, one of the things that has been of such benefit to me is that that whole mantra of if they call you stepdad or or you know that that's like a title of honor because you truly have stepped up. There's there's very few men. And you know this from from all the flack, as I'll call it, you got from all different sides. And, and I got some of that, too. Very few men that would step into a situation like this. Mm -hmm. So that has certainly helped to frame my mindset that stepdad is an honorable thing. Um, what's interesting, though, is I will always defer, you know, like whenever I talk about their dad, I always to to them, I talk good about them. Oh, hey, you're. You know, you go into your father's house this weekend. I hope y'all have a great time. It's going to be super fun. Um, remember, be respectful, follow all his rules, like all the things that you should say to kids, right? right. Um, and, I, and I mean it. And I do hope that that's how their time with him goes. Um, it's hard. I When I'm talking to them, I can't call him dad. That's maybe a defect on my part because I wish, part of me, I'll be honest, wishes I had that title. But I don't say, you know, Mr. So-and-so, 
I say, um, you know, I use the term father a lot because, you know, I don't know. I get maybe that's a hang up that I have. I feel like he is the father. It's not a hang up, brother. You haven't, you, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but you, you haven't been there long enough to, to feel, uh, to consider this a hang up. If you're in year six and you still can't call him dad, that's a hang up. Right. Right. You're, you're in, you're in year one and a half, right? Which is, it's not a hang up. It's, you haven't been there long enough to earn the respect mm-hmm. from the kids and from your wife, but you haven't been there long enough to earn the respect of that title for yourself. Now, I know what you're saying. Now, you would love it. Somebody to call me, you know, I would love it for the boys to call me dad. Dude, there's no better feeling in the world, trust me. And my kids, my three youngest didn't call me dad for like the first couple of years. It took, it took a while before mm-hmm. they started calling me anything, right? My two oldest girls still call me Franco. Doesn't bother me one bit. Not even a little bit. Um, because when they talk to their friends, they refer to me as dad. Like my dad said, yes, right. hey, this is my dad. So, but I do know this. I do know that I had to put the time, energy, effort and earn it. I had to earn that title. I had to earn that title by showing longevity, by showing patience, by showing communi- um, ways to communicate. But most important, I had to show it in a way that I respected who their dad was, which is why I would really, really employ you to uh, to take a take a step back and really just take a look in the mirror and learn to let it go and refer to him as dad. There's nothing wrong. Because at the end of the day, he is their dad. There, there's a difference between being a dad and being a father. You know that. And uh, you can't have a hang-up on that. But you are going to still have a hang-up on that. I know there's no way you're just going to let it go today. It's just not how it works. But just understand that that hang-up is not some sort of – it's not a negative thing in your scenario at all. It's actually quite common. And mm-hmm. just, just like you know when you're at work and you do something really cool and you earn something – and then you get the respect and admiration from your peers or your bosses, it's like a better feeling than if something was just to have had happened and they thought it was you, so then they give you the accolades and you're like, well, no, all right, thanks, but you don't really feel good about it. Yeah. So not a bad thing. So it's, don't refer to it as a hangup. It's not. I will, I will add to it also. Um, it, it might sound a little silly but they i think they have the desire like they at their age they have this you know my dad can do no wrong mentality they don't quite see yet how he really is um and and at that age that's how i want it to be i don't want them to have to worry about what me and claire have to deal with right um but that being said there have been times and and to get to the point of what i'm about to say Again, so much credit to my wife. Uh, she's been so patient. I've learned so much about communication between the two of us, but also what she's taught me about communicating with the boys. Uh, communication, I cannot stress it enough, is probably one of the biggest components to marriage in general, especially to being a stepdad, and especially if you want to connect with your stepkids. Um, and so to get back to my original point, there's been times where they've like, to my face or I'll overhear them talking to friends like slip up and call me dad and then they'll kind of like uh, I mean Sydney or or no or like their friends they'll be playing and I'll say hey boys it's time to come in and uh their friends say oh hey your dad said you had to go in and they're like that's not my dad it's my stepdad 
and I just kind of let it go. But but the fact that the boys sometimes slip up and accidentally use that term or that their friends slip up and say that or, you know, one thing that we've had happen too, you know, they have this allegiance to their dad. Yeah. But they also, if I'm, if I can pat myself on the back for a second here, I think they, they see the role that I play in the family, the, the, the way that I treat their mother, my wife with love and respect and that our home is a home of love and patience and understanding. Yeah. You know, we, we teach them to follow the rules. If they get a conduct mark at school or whatever it was like, there's consequences and chores and all, all that good stuff. But they see how I treat her and I and and see how our home is. And I think they they can't help but see me as a dad like figure. So another, you know, I don't know if any other stepdads have experienced this. One thing they'll do is they'll play pretend. They're like, hey, I'm the baby wolf and my older brother is the brother wolf and mommy's mommy wolf and Sydney, you're daddy wolf. They do this sort of role playing as a sort of an excuse or a way to give themselves permission to give me some sort of like dad or daddy like title without yeah. just straight up calling me dad. And, you know, that's just kind of how I think kids deal with it. Sometimes they play pretend they're imaginative. They sort of, they role play as a way to deal with their reality. And, and that, so when things like that happen, I'm like, you know what? You know, they call their biological father dad, but I know in moments like that or in moments when they, you know, slip up and call me dad accidentally, it's because somewhere in their little hearts and their minds, they recognize, I, at least I hope they recognize what I'm trying to do here in the home by loving their mother, by loving them, by helping just create this environment of stability and and peacefulness and and you know all that yeah well as long as you're not seeking the uh the approval of wanting to be called dad because it just it, my, my the best advice i can give you on that end because i i was exactly where you were is i learned to just not think about it at all i kind of let all that stuff go and then i was just mm -hmm. i just decided that i i made a decision consciously that i would i would rather be happily surprised during uncommon hours on a random Tuesday, then mm -hmm. constantly trying to anticipate them seeing me as the father figure or as the dad figure. Yeah. So I kind of waited for it to happen. But um, with the boys and, and the way you're raising them and, and with mom, I mean, they're still young enough to where the most important thing, like you said, is communication, but the, you're young enough to see that they need to be noticing how you treat not only yourself, right? But in, and, mm -hmm. and how you respect yourself and how you respect your mom. And, and the way you talk about her already is, is awesome. The way you refer to her, the way you just use adjective words to describe her, it's very, very positive and it's very, very good. And I want you to remember that you have to continue to use those words on yourself too. Make yourself a promise, even if it's just for, even if this is your first goal you set, because everything we've talked about is a little overwhelming. You don't know where to start. Start just journaling. Just make a promise mm -hmm. starting October 21st. I'm going to journal every single day until New Year's night. Journal all the way to New Year's night, right? But make mm -hmm. a promise that either right before New Year's or right after New Year's, like we did ours on January 3rd of this year, 
or right after New Year's, make a promise that you and your wife are gonna take one day, no phones, no distractions, just music, you two, fill it with food and sex and laughter. Literally, that's, <laughs> that's what I suggest. That sounds like a good day to me. Yeah, it's the best day ever, I'm not kidding you, because first of all, you start having conversations about things that you didn't even know was bothering each other. You had no idea. And it's out in the open now. Then you can actually work together. Then you set these goals and now you're excited because you're working through those, you know? And then I, I, I the bond that it takes to do that, it, it develops a sense of teamwork that is almost unbreakable. So when things happen with stupidity, and you know what I mean by that? When things happen with stupidity, it's no longer mom on her side, you know, mom defending here and then you're defending over on this flank because, you know, you feel like you have to. Now it's you two defending together, right down the middle, side by side, so that stupidity can now look at you guys and go, oh shit, I guess I can't be that stupid anymore. Because I'm not, I'm not, they're, they're not, I can't split these two up anymore. I can't get them to, to agree or disagree on something completely that I want to do. I can't, I can't, you know, fake it till I make it, wherever you need. It's just, you're together now. It works. Trust me. I would never tell you to do anything that I didn't do. Trust me. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Listen, if you know a stepdad who is in need of any of this information, do me a favor right now. Hit that subscribe button and share this episode with them as fast as possible. Did you do it? You Okay, you did it. You hit the... Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Quiet on the set, please. Thank you, everybody.